0: Welcome, fans, to another edition of the Cheap Heat Productions Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jack Kilby. I am the Executive Vice President of Great North Wrestling, and I'm pleased today to welcome a man who is known as the First Nation Sensation, a man who has had uh, an extensive career in the pro wrestling business and a lot of very interesting experiences, Mr. Wavel Starr. Wavel, how are you tonight, sir? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you doing tonight, my man? tremendous but before before we get into uh, the the questions that that I have prepared, I was wondering if uh, you're a proud First Nations man. I was wondering if you could uh, let the fans know that that may not be aware of your your geographic uh, proximity and what nation you represent
1: sure i am in saskatchewan here in the heart of treaty four territory i come from a band called the star blanket first nation located i guess sort of near yorkton saskatchewan Uh, and my mother is from the white cap dakota first nation which is just outside of saskatoon which is famous for the uh, dakota dunes casino so half cree and half dakota sioux
0: that's tremendous now, given given that you're uh, from that that geographic territory, I can make an assumption that that you were a fan of pro wrestling growing up. Given the strong tradition that Stampede had, uh, you know, back back in the, the relative time frame, could could you uh, let us know uh, what your influences were growing up, and and if indeed you followed um, territories or companies?
1: Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head there when you said about stampede wrestling, because here in Western Canada, in Saskatchewan, uh, uh, in Regina, uh, stampede wrestling is really part of the local culture. So I absolutely grew up. Uh, watching Stampede Wrestling, and I fell in love with it when I went to the local arena here at the Regina Exhibition Auditorium uh, with my grandma and my grandpa, and we uh, and a few of my cousins, and we we head down there and we checked out the uh, the Stampede Wrestling card at the old uh, Exhibition Auditorium, and I tell you the atmosphere. If you've never seen the Exhibition Auditorium, it is really really close to the Victoria Pavilion in Calgary, and it just had that perfect atmosphere for professional wrestling, and uh, just being in that building, uh, even just thinking about it right now, I, I get kind of goosebumps thinking about uh, the type of emotions that 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 venue uh, actually makes me feel, you know, so definitely uh, grew up on Stampede Wrestling when the, uh, at uh, Christmases and Easter and family gatherings, uh, people would gather at our place, and I would have the stampede wrestling and the wwf saturday night's main event uh, recorded on the vhs and be sitting right beside grandma and grandpa and we'd be watching them over and over again and i really did uh watch wrestling all week like uh, we recorded on saturday on stampede wrestling because i was likely out playing hockey or something like that growing up as a boy in saskatchewan um but Always watched it every single day. And then, of course, uh, huge in my career uh, was being a fan of the Hart family and the, all of the the early stars of Stampede Wrestling, uh, getting to watch them sort of make their journey in the world of professional wrestling as they advanced, uh, as well as getting to know a lot of those old characters um, that I used to watch on TV, uh, getting to know them more as
0: colleagues and, and as professional mentors as I got into my career in professional wrestling. Yeah, that's awesome. did Did you have any uh, particular? I mean, growing up, did you did you have any particular Stampede uh, personalities that that influenced you? Oh I, yes, I know, I know Stampede was very very well uh, appointed. With uh, even even up in the the latter years with heels such as Bad News Allen, yes. uh Gama Singh, Maka Cuban. Singh, and uh, Steve DeSalvo, Cuban yeah. Assassin. Sorry, uh, I'll give you an opportunity to answer that yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so sure. Uh, a lot of those uh, those old superstars um, from back then. Sorry, I don't mean to call them old, but I'm old. <laughs> I'm fifty years old now, so so I consider them old, older than me. They're they're senior. But uh, you know, growing up uh, watching those performers, it was really something else uh, to to get to know them uh, after. And one of the one of the biggest uh, ironies uh, that I found out as as I as I as I grew older and got into the world of professional wrestling is that sometimes a lot of the heat. Heels in the ring were actually some of the biggest gentlemen. And baby, real life baby faces outside of the ring, uh, and to get to come up with an example, I think back to the the Stampede Wrestling days when we'd be on the road. Our agent uh, would be the Cuban Assassin, and uh, after the shows, uh, he would make sure that we were all fed. In fact, he would uh, get in the kitchen and uh, and feed us like he would making stir fry and telling us stories about how it used to be, and uh, it was just great. He would sit shotgun uh, in the van. And uh, it was just awesome getting to know those folks and, and learning a
0: little bit more of them as I got older and into the business. In in terms of your in terms of your training, I, I read that you trained under uh Bruce and uh Keith. Yes. How how would you how would you characterize that uh, experience considering what a, a solid foundation for training uh it would be from the hearts?
1: I loved going, I, I love that I'm trained by the hearts. I loved going. To the sessions i didn't love the training i <laughs> i'll tell you mm-hmm. that the the, the mm-hmm. training was tough uh because it, you know i i knew how to bump and and i didn't really know how to work that much when i went there but i kind of learned learned how to bump uh, uh but the workouts um what i remember about the workouts is that bruce would always get you to that point of getting blown up and it, and it's not like it's not like you could increase your cardiovascular uh uh conditioning and, and you won't blow up because he watches you and as it, so, so he, 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 as soon as he finds you, you know, he takes you to that point where you're blown up. So it's not like you can pace yourself and, and save it because he'll just keep pushing you in the drills until you actually, till you're blown right up. And and that's what I do remember about those is that very, very hard on conditioning, uh, and also the sessions running on that old treadmill, uh, those those used to be really really tough. So so as far as conditioning goes, you know I grew up playing hockey and 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 football, uh, all sorts of sports here in Saskatchewan. So I, I'm no stranger to tough practices. Um, but as far as really guts gut wrenching conditioning a- a- activities, uh, it was second to none at, right there in the dungeon. Uh, having said that, I w- you know when you have a passion and you really want to be there, then it's 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 bearable. And uh, at the end of that, uh, of the sessions, I remember I used to spend time going through the programs. Uh, Stu used to have boxes of old stampede wrestling programs in the basement, and I would go through those. And and I guess more importantly, Stu at the time was still alive and he was uh, uh, he would be upstairs. So after the sessions, when I'd be done, I'd just go up and he'd sit there and visit. Uh, chat my ear off uh, so that was my you know I, I was still living in regina and just commuting back and forth to, to calgary for the weekends for the the training and the shows um but what an incredible time in my life uh, i wouldn't trade it for anything in the world
0: mm-hmm. you, you mentioned uh the legendary dungeon and and that was perhaps immortalized uh forever in, in uh, wrestling with shadows did you have any any sort of uh experiences along those lines I guess Stu would have been... perhaps not downstairs mixing it up or maybe he was at that time
1: no it just it was not downstairs mixing it up it, it was with Bruce uh, but yeah he had a, a number of drills it was always just like every other sport you got to go through the fundamentals so so there were a number of drills that were just basically going through fundamentals but at the end of the class there was always conditioning and there was this one drill that that I that I absolutely hated and when I was in Louisville I told uh, my buddy Chris Cage uh, and he would laugh at me every time I would tell him that I just hated it Bruce would make you lock up and he would just call what you would have to take for a bump he would say hip toss body slam drop kick reverse hip toss and you just keep going and going and it's like i said if you blew up like after 15 seconds and you think oh i'll I'll just pace myself and i'll last it and i and i won't blow up well he'll just wait he'll go 20 seconds and 25 and then 30 So, so eventually until until you're you're he gets you to being gassed and blown up all the time so that that was the toughest part and then of course uh thinking about it there wasn't uh you know, you're just in a room. Like, they're, you're not bouncing off the ropes. You're running to the wall and touching the wall and coming back. And there's a the, a low ceiling, and and it's not it's not the ring has more give. Uh, a professional wrestling ring has more give, especially when you know 16, 18, 20 feet. It's got it's got a lot of area, so when you bump in the middle, it's got some give. Whereas when you're in a small room with uh, just gym mats, there's not any give at all, really. So, <laughs> so it's it, it was really uh, a matter of of you know conditioning and and toughening you up, or whether or not you really had it uh, to make it in the business. Because I bet you there were people that didn't even make it into the ring um, after those uh, after those sessions.
0: Mm-hmm. no doubt did Did you ever have any uh, uh I, I wanted to say uh training but any sort of uh guest uh appearances in, in terms of your training early on with uh brett hart or any other notable interactions with brett
1: not with brett so much but uh, davy Davey was there when i got there the the first uh when i first went down to stampede wrestling and he was just uh uh, making his return to the WWE at that time, and he was uh, wearing one of the belts. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was intercontinental or the European, uh, but he had just made his return, and he was getting a big push, and uh, he was also running a program at Stampede Wrestling with Principal Richard Pound and uh, myself and my old partner, Morris Nipus, uh, Red Thunder. We, uh, we, we got to go out and, and we, Bruce kind of chose us to get the rub, uh, to go out with Davey. Well, you know, when he was doing his interview, his promo at the end of the match, we, you know, we got to stand behind him and, you know, get that association, the rub just by being in the same screen as him at the same time. And uh definite markout moment for me, definite markout moment for me, because I grew up huge on the Bulldogs and the, the Dynamite Kid, uh always yeah but I'm not the only one you know like there, there's so many other athletes and wrestlers that are around nowadays that say you know when I was a kid that uh, I used to love watching Dynamite Kid that's like you know uh
0: four out of five people in the western Canada you know <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely and shout out to uh Harry Smith who uh recently uh was in uh our card on July the 15th in Smith Falls he's at home recovering uh I, I understand uh, through talking to him that he's He's doing well, but what what a what a talent and what a credit to uh, you know his dad's legacy as well.
1: Absolutely, and and you know I just wanted to acknowledge as well and hope he's doing okay. Uh, I have, I actually had appendicitis before it ruptured, and I had to get it uh, removed. So I do know uh, a little bit about what that kind of pain is like, and it's it's like nothing else. So uh, nothing but mm-hmm. uh, thoughts and prayers going out to Harry and uh, hope that he has a, a speedy recovery
0: absolutely in in 2004 you were part of uh ovw that uh you know kind of golden golden era can, can you talk about uh your experience there and i don't know if you got to catch the the netflix uh docu series or not uh that that's getting a lot of attention and, and a lot of spotlight uh thrown on modern day ovw but what what was your particular uh, experience like there how that yeah. occurred
1: so to start with with the documentary, I will tell you I started to watch a little bit of it, and th- there's a part where they scan the background and they show the camera shows the the division of what it would like to to kind of walk down that one hallway in in the background there at uh, Danny Davis Arena, and I, I I turned it off. I had to turn it off because it was it was late and I was starting to feel the adrenaline and that motivation and I was starting to think and it was too late to to have those that you know like we got to wind down we like I, I'm an adult I have an adult career and I got to be at work at 8 a.m and you know and I go to sleep I, I get up quite early in the morning because I, I like to get to the gym early and all that before I get to the office and uh yeah I, I that's that's no no word of a lie I started to watch it and when I saw that I felt the uh, I felt the surge of of adrenaline and I and I knew okay, I better hold off. So I waited. I waited and I watched. Uh, I watched a little bit of it this weekend uh, while I was doing some other homework, uh, and it looks super interesting. It looks super interesting. It was good to see. Uh, it's advanced uh, a little. It's changed a bit since I've been there. Uh, but by all means, like I said, I just just seeing it, you know, kind of took me back to that spot where I was mentally, uh, you know, my motivations and and those types of things. And and just thinking back, wow, what a wrestling factory that was! Like my very first day that I went there, uh, I showed up for my first day of classes. And it just happened to be when John Cena was there as a guest instructor. So that kind of added to me, like, like there's a, there's this little bit of awkwardness of being the new guy showing up anyways uh, and then you happen to be showing up on on this special day when when training, you know, is is elevated, escalated. Uh, but it was good. I loved it. It, it got me right in there. And, and and the boys used to laugh. Joy Matthews and Chris Cage used to laugh because I I I told them and Tank toll and I, I told them, you know, when when I first got down here and I had that workout with you guys, I thought these guys are wrestling machines. How do they do this every day? And they said, well, you know, it's, it wasn't like that every single day, right? There's kind of an ebb and flow where sometimes there's super intense practices and sometimes. Sometimes they're, they're, a little, they're a little bit lower impact or maybe they just do promos um but my very first day there was like just a super
0: intense practice and i thought wow what am i in for <laughs> <laughs> and and you had a, a a pretty high profile uh match on uh tv uh, obw tv against the what a worker nick eugene dinsmore was and, and you faced him for the title. What what was was that experience uh, like for you? Uh, it was it
1: was really awesome, actually, because you know to, to even get into a spot like that uh, was was because uh, of the uh, you know being endorsed by by Jim Cornette. Uh, So I'm lucky that he had the confidence in me to put me in a position like that. Uh, And then uh, I guess second of all, uh, lucky that Nick being a contracted WWE performer that was just about, you know, getting ready to go up uh, to WWE, um, you know, to, to agree to get into the ring with an uncontracted performer and, uh, to put me over and, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, to, to give me the rub like that uh, when I was, you know, basically a no-name coming out of Saskatchewan, um, to be put into a main event, uh, uh, like that. And it was really something else. Um, there was a lot, uh, that went into that learning. First of all, to get to that match, uh, I worked with, um, uh, he, he, worked as Muhammad Hassan, Mark Magnus, uh, and, and, and that was the first time that I had any experience in working a TV match that had like multiple segments. So it was mm-hmm. just kind of like, there was so much more to it, uh, for me. And in fact, after that match with Mark Magnus, uh, I would uh, I got an envelope handed to me the next day, um by uh by the ref he came up to me and he said this is view chief and i and i opened it up as a, it was a letter from uh a memo from jim Cornette and uh he it was to me and mark magnus and he was asking us to report to the uh, arena the training center on a saturday um because he wasn't happy with the match and he wanted to, to show us why <laughs> so oh, wow. yeah and so so first of all to be a non-contracted performer and for Jimmy to care enough to come in on his day off. Like, he, you know, as you know about Jimmy, like, sometimes you don't think he likes wrestling. Sometimes you think he hates it. <laughs> you know, the you know
0: version, yeah,
1: right, right. Uh, but, you know, for him to take his own personal time on the weekend uh, to, uh, you know, with a limited personal time as it is, uh, to come down on a weekend, on a morning, on a Saturday morning, uh, to go over that match and really break it down frame by frame and tell us all that. And it was a whole bunch of tiny little things that the uneducated indie wrestler might not ever pick up if you're, if you never get to, um, you know, pick the brain or the the minds of those types of workers with the knowledge of a Jim Cornette or, or a Danny Davis or a Nick Dinsmore. Um, so, so yeah, really an incredible experience. Um, that, that whole time uh, in Louisville was, was, was just really incredible for me. So, uh, So just being a part of that and getting to be uh, under that learning tree with, with all of that talent was, was incredible. And, and you know what, it really, really helped me going uh, into, uh, you know, my career outside of the professional wrestling world, because, you know, you're seeing a lot of very, very strong personalities and uh, celebrities, basically what it is. And and you're learning how to kind of get over to get over that in the business they call it marking out uh outside of the business they might see you know being starstruck because you know you you have to start being able to to get out of that headspace and to start focusing on being a you know performer and a professional so yeah definitely learned a lot down in louisville
0: yeah that's that's really interesting you say that i I always um, uh, working in the criminal justice system for uh, decades now i always uh, comment that there's a lot of transferable skills for lack of a better word between pro wrestling and uh and uh, heavy duty government work but you you mentioned uh muhammad uh, hassan uh, yep. the man who would become that what what did you think of that character because here we are what almost 20 years since yeah uh it was phased out and it's still a, a controversial yeah. subject maybe maybe more so with uh, what's going on in the world right now but did did you have any impression of that after having worked with him at the early stage to what uh, what happened?
1: I was super excited for him when I saw like they looked really ominous though like the uh, uh the TitanTron that they would show at first with the planes and stuff like that like they looked really ominous. But because I knew him and I was his friend and I knew how hard he had worked to, to get there and uh and because I was right beside him and it's kind of inspiring cuz you're like hey if I happened to him it could very well happen to me um so i I do remember uh watching that and and just and remembering how uh how intense it was but also being very uh very proud for him uh, i I do know uh, of course uh, maybe he wasn't quite ready at, at that time um to, to to be uh in that position but I mean you you can't go back in time like it, it, he's he should be just happy that he got to, that he got that
0: opportunity anyways yeah absolutely. Now in in that year 2004 you you started to get some shots for uh, WWE uh, syndicated television, I'm thinking Heat and Velocity. How, yeah. how did that uh, come together? Was that Mr. Cornette again?
1: Yeah, it was basically through Jimmy and uh, Dr. Tom, because Dr. Tom was uh, rotating through uh, Louisville on a regular basis, and uh, I had lined up uh, to get on uh, WWE Raw here in Calgary, and that was basically through Dr. Tom and and, and Jimmy, and I had done pretty good when I uh, when I went out to some of those shows, and uh, I opened the eyes of, of some of the agents uh, where they had confidence in me that I was, you know, competent and, and a good hand, which of course mm-hmm. is the curse, the, the curse of death mm-hmm. in this business. But hey, it, it it is what it is. And, and uh, I, you know, I wouldn't do anything different. I, I went back there and tried my best every time. And uh, I was lucky that every time, back then it was different. Uh, when you were booked as an extra, like a, I got a match uh, most of the time. Uh, so when I, you know, I would go to a WWE match, I ended up wrestling either a dark match or on Velocity or on Heat. Uh, whereas nowadays, uh, it, I don't think they, I think there's a little bit more of a process to it. And I don't think there's as many opportunities to actually perform. I think it may be more of a, like a kind of a screening exercises in terms of their recruitment process. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I was really lucky to be able to, uh, to to be able to be a part of, uh, of the business during that
0: time. Mm-hmm. Did you have any, um, encounters uh, notable or otherwise with of course uh the ubiquitous at the time maybe still now uh, chairman of the board vincent kennedy mcmahon
1: yeah uh i met him a, a couple of times uh, of course like you, you, you're you kind of schooled before ahead of time that you're supposed to say hi to everybody as, as soon as you see him um but but i guess most notably after my match with taijiri at the air canada center in toronto uh i felt really good about that match and then as soon as i as i walked through the curtain vince was right there um, so, and, and I had, uh, you know, 20 seconds, which is a pretty long time of, of, face-to-face one-on-one, uh, conversation with Vince right there in, in gorilla position. Uh, and it was, it was very encouraging. And, and, uh, after that, you know, I, I was pretty close if they, if ever there was a moment where, uh, you know, there was good, you know,
0: time to put ink to paper, it was probably right around then. Mm-hmm. What, what, uh, did he uh, say to you that, that's interesting that that he was uh, you know scrutinizing every every match did he say anything to you that stands out to this day
1: well he, here's the thing I, I I can't say that he you know came to to grill position specifically to watch me you know he just he just happened to be there uh um but at the same time uh you know not a lot uh not everybody gets that you know that face-to-face time with, with Vince McMahon so uh it was it was good and I and I did feel good about it because he you know knowing that he was asking the sorts of questions that um you know that people would ask you if they're interested in, in you know potential opportunities so uh, I felt really good about that and and I felt really confident that day
0: he he um he must have um, been impressed because because you had a a great look and and obviously are uh, very fluid in the ring. Did you get the impression at that point in time that you, you said put ink to paper, were they, were you ever led to believe that they they might uh, bring you on to the the main roster?
1: Yeah, a few times. Well, that was the goal uh, on my end. Of course, you, you keep going, keep going. And, and hopefully one of these times you, you, you get signed. Uh, there was a, a couple of times when it seemed like I was really close. Uh, you know, when you, you know, you get, uh, you get that, precise moments spotlight in front of like one time it was in front of the the director, sorry, the, the writing team uh, in Louisville. And then there's these, you know, these matches that you have in in front of the agents Uh, another time it was um, uh, an impromptu match with Sylvester Turkey when he was coming Mm -hmm. in for a tryout and uh, Aaron just asked a couple, you know, someone get in with him. So I got in, and I just uh, I led him through a pretty simple, you know, David Goliath match and threw some really good chops uh that made some some good noise and that impressed him enough to 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 put me in a match with him that night and uh had a really good match with him. And 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 if and, and that is one person that I will say uh in my career, if there was ever one person that I got the impression that could probably end my life with his hands, his bare hands, it's Sylvester Turkey. He mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. like just locking up before and taught, you know, walking stuff over, even like he, mm. it's, you'd feel like, wow, this guy could kill me. Mm. <laughs> Luckily what? he was good to work with though. And, and he knew that, uh, you know, I, I, I shined him up pretty good and, uh, he was pretty happy the next time when I ran into him at, at the next show, the, the next time around, he was pretty happy when I saw him.
0: Yeah, I had the the opportunity a couple of months back to talk to his former partner Elijah Burke and 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 yeah. uh, the Pope, and he said uh, that's one man that that was uh, made it made made it difficult to go from uh, legit or MMA to pro wrestling because he was such a uh, I think he used the term killer.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And he was down in. Uh Elijah was down on OVW uh, as well. And he went to the same tryout camp that I went to. And mm-hmm. you know what I remember thinking at that? Because tri- at the tried camp, I had already had indie experience, right? I've been around for a handful of years. Uh, probably had a bunch of uh, bad habits developed at that time already. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I, I remember thinking there was a couple of guys that came there with zero experience. And at the time, I was kind of thinking, wow, how's these guys, how, how stupid can you be? <laughs> you know, but really thinking back, That's the approach that one should do is you want to go to them right off the bat when you're as young as you'll ever be and you have the least bad habits Mm. because if you're working on the Indies, you probably got some bad habits.
0: Mm, mm. lots of
1: knee slappers out there
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. absolutely Absolutely. yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. but for real though you know you're working out there in the indies you think that you're you're getting some good experience but a lot of times you're developing the bad habits which is what you know exactly what they're not looking for um you know at that professional level you know aew or or or, uh, wwe or impact
0: wrestling right mm-hmm you you mentioned that uh arn i'm telling you that was arn anderson yeah. uh wanted you to get into the ring now that that must have been a, a real um feather in your cap to get positive feedback from Arne. did you did you have experience with any of the other wwe agents at the time yeah regal
1: i had good good feedback from regal uh as well as fit finley um, so, so those to me, uh, you know, the fact that they would have, uh, you know, given me their, their good feedback and, uh, they knew that I was dependable. So that's probably why I got chosen to do matches all the time. Um, yeah. So, 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 so just getting, getting close with them and, and, you know, I got to the point where Dr. Tom, uh, he had, he had called me once to, to help book extras because he knew that, uh, you know, I had a pretty good, uh, pretty good hand
0: of, 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 you know, the talent here in Canada and stuff like that. So cool now you, you worked uh, with uh maven uh, from tough enough do, do you have any uh he he has a popular uh, YouTube yeah. channel now where he talks about a lot of in and in, in really uh legit uh, straight up detail about some of his experiences do you, do you have any uh recollection of uh working with him in terms of how he was treated uh in the locker room given that that tough enough uh, bias for lack of a better term? Uh, when I was
1: there, he was over, he had put it in some time already. And, and he, you know, he was, he was pretty good. He he was a good performer and, uh, he was a good athlete. I just remember he was a pretty good stud athlete. So he, he started off with, you know, with good, with good, uh, um, the brings, the brings that he brought were, were really good. And of course he had the best training. If to, to start like that, you know, to have the WWE training all along. Uh, so when you have that, you have the talent and, and the potential and, and you put it in the proper environment, and, then they're going to get really good real fast. And mm-hmm. uh, I had really good matches uh, with Maven, and uh, he, I, I, I felt great because he respected me. Of course, he had less years of experience, but more experience at that level. So, so that, that, that counts, right? Um, but he had enough confidence in me to, to uh, you know, basically... Put the matches together or or contribute more so um you know than than just your regular um extra that was coming in to do a squash job type thing um but i do remember uh thinking him that it was uh maven and uh um sylvan granier i remember thinking these guys were just incredible stud athletes that just learned really really fast and uh and were able to pick up and, and I was and I was really impressed by by both of those fellows, uh by Maven
0: and uh and 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 uh Granier Being um being uh you know a stampede uh, aficionado and, and whatnot, uh I, I had to ask you if you had any in that time frame that you were there, did you did you have any um interactions or experiences with uh Chris Benoit? Uh, not in Louisville, but I did have some
1: interactions, uh, at my time at, uh, at WWE, um, uh most notably i think uh that I, I got to the flashback right now was uh i was at the show the house show in minneapolis when uh they discovered that eddie guerrero had passed away and uh i was just i was kind of trying to stay out of the way and as a rookie you're told make sure you shake everyone's hand so you're kind of on edge with this anxiety um but there's lots going on so i'm just trying to stay out of the way like literally trying to stay out of the way and and manage my anxiety. (laughs) And so I'm just, you know, kind of going for a walk like I always do, just around the arena, just looking at whatever's there, killing time, right? Doing the hurry up and wait. And I didn't mean to, but I stumbled upon Chris Benoit, having, he had a plate, he has his plate there from catering and he just found himself a spot isolated. Uh, If you can imagine, you know, walking around the whole arena, he just found himself isolated in the corner to sit. And I felt bad that I stumbled upon him because I knew he wanted to be alone. At the same time, I'm face to face with them and, and I'm a rookie and it's like, okay, what do I do? Do I, so I, I just immediately said hi and, and, and stuck out my hand and, and, and I got to give it to him. He stood up, he stood up out of his chair, shook my hand, said hi and, and went back and, uh. That, that 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 to me that 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 told me a lot because there's nobody around he really could have gave me the finger or ignored me or told me f off kid or or whatever and, and he didn't um so but but like i say when when i stumbled upon where i was i i, I felt bad because i knew that he was looking to, to to get some space but but it everything worked out he shook my hand and uh I just got on my way. Uh, it was a, it was a pretty, uh, different day. It was really something else to, to experience, uh, to be there. Uh, it, it was a little surreal. I can't imagine what, uh, some of the folks that, you know, that traveled with them, uh, you know, that would have had the, the time to get close with them. I can't imagine, uh, what it was like for them. Mm-hmm.
0: Now you, you were, uh, around in a, in a time frame as well that has, um, kind of a reputation of being, you know, having an alleged uh, toxic environment in the locker room with, with uh, bullying and, and uh, you know, mean spirited ribs from, you know, JBL, Taker, Benoit, uh, et cetera. We we've interviewed uh, Tank Toland and, and his partner, uh, Chad, former partner in the Dicks uh, before, and especially Chad has some, um, well, disturbing tales to tell. Were, were you privy to to any of that sort of uh, conduct, and 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 if so, how did you navigate it? Um, you know, I, I was I, I was not unfamiliar
1: with the locker room culture because I had grown up, you know, playing hockey in Saskatchewan, uh, and then had played football uh, here in Regina. Um, so I'm, I was definitely not unaccustomed to being in, in a locker room where lots of toxic things were said, toxic things were done. Um, at the same time, learning how to, um, to, I guess, uh, function and exist and, 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 and how to, you know, get along with people in that sort of an environment. And when I was there, um, I think I was pretty much ready for that kind of thing. Uh, just because of what I've been through in, in football, um, with the, you know the dressing room hazing, I guess it was is, is it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. And the times have really, really changed. Um, but at the same time, I, I guess I could say if there was anything good about the locker room hazing, is that I had a really thick skin. And mm. people, by the time I got there, uh, the, it would have been pretty hard to to really get to, to really rattle me. Uh, and, and I guess the main thing by that time is that you learn that the main thing is to not show that it rattles you anyways. Cause if you sell, then that just brings it on more. Right. So it's, it's just learning how to, to deal in that, uh, learning how to function in that environment. Now I've never been in the spot though, where I've, where I've, where there's been this physical pressure where where like a person like, well, obviously I could get beat up by probably a lot of people, at WWE, but, but you, but you assume that people aren't really going around looking to looking for that kind of thing, unless you give them uh, a reason to, right? So I think just having that background in, in a locker room culture and and learning how to, to function in that environment as toxic as it may have been uh, totally uh, prepared me. Hey, thanks Morris. (laughs) Totally prepared me for WWE in the sense that I wasn't, I wasn't scared and, and I wasn't unsurprised when, when, you know, when, when I could tell when little things, because people would test you by things they say or things they do right in front of you. Um, and, and it's really all it, what all it is, is, is gauging your reaction. So, uh, how you, how you react to that is really how it was, but I am glad, uh, that, that things have changed. Uh, they, society has changed. The world has changed. Uh, and the days of locker room hazing, uh, are, are no longer, um, and, and when it does happen, uh, you know, people are aware that, uh, you know, to, to make people aware of it and, and to do things to, to stop it. Um, so I do definitely feel for some of those people that might have been in that type of a situation, because I can just imagine if you step on the wrong toes with the wrong personality in the wrong situation and there's the wrong balance of energies, it could be probably traumatizing, I would imagine and and i and i have mm-hmm. seen some of those uh those interviews and heard some of those stories um and i could just i, I, I it must have been tough
0: yeah I, th- I think you also um you know were very uh you know accurate in terms of if you sell for it uh it's never going to end and it's probably going to increase much like uh regular intimidation and and bullying in, in life That's right. absolutely i i in my other uh, role as uh, Executive Vice President and Promoter for Great North Wrestling, we have a big event coming up on November the 4th in Renfrew, Ontario, the Renfrew Reckoning, which will be headlined by uh, our new Canadian champion, Magnum McLaren, putting his title on the line against Rene Dupree. Holy man. He, He's He's back. He's uh, going great guns did you have any um, recollections of of working with or, or just being around uh, Renee yeah
1: yeah Reddy was younger younger than me and I would say Rennie's my boy but it was probably the other way around because he helped me out <laughs> when I was got there because he he was already there uh, at ovW uh, and I worked for uh, a lot of the same people that that you know we had common friends so it's kind of like we knew of each other before we met uh and then uh we started hanging around and, and he basically started giving me pointers on you know bodybuilding and how to diet and, and you know what, what they're eating and what their daily routine looks like. Uh, and, and I really got to do that. And, and I, ha- you know, I'm forever indebted because uh, that, that knowledge combined with, you know, the, the effort uh, to follow through and, and to continue um, my training. And, and, and that was, you know, really thankful to, to, to Renny for, for uh, the mentorship and, and the friendship uh, during that time as well. So I learned a lot from him. He was a rookie, uh, I guess, at, the the w, like he was a champion already right he was a, he was uh wearing the the WWE uh, tag team championship titles um but you know still he was a young he was a young man at the time so he was still kind of learning in life and going through some of those trials and tribulations uh and also forever indebted that you know while he was the tag team champion i had my very first match in in louisville i just showed up like that day or the day before whatever it was no one expects Anything of you, no one expects you to be on the show. Then you're on the show. Then you're on the dark match with Rennie, the Renee Dupree, who's wearing a the title. Then all of a sudden, everyone sees me pin him cleanly with my finisher. One, two, three. Then all of a sudden, whoa, okay, something's on here. Jimmy's giving this guy push. Why, why, why is he getting the push? Who is this guy? And, uh, you know, why did Renee put him over? <laughs> so, so really lucky, you know, Renee, Renee, uh, uh, really, really went out of his way, uh, to, to really make me feel welcome down there, uh, to be a
0: friend. And of course to, to put me over in my first match there. Yeah, that's great. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to, uh, mention uh, that we had this, this discussion. I'm sure you'd appreciate that. In, Jumping ahead a couple of years in CWE in, in 2010, you had a, a tag match against uh, the New Age Outlaws. What are your your recollections of that event, plus the fact that Billy Gunn has had, I don't know, he's 60 years old, he looks like a million bucks, and he's he's still uh, going strong in the ring. It's It's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely. It's it's
1: inspiring uh, for myself as, as being 50 years old. It's good to see guys that, that, that are older, uh, that are managing, uh, you know, to stay in shape and, and to stay performing and on top uh, of the business. Uh, and going back to uh, uh, 2010, I certainly got to work with a lot of incredibly talented people. And uh, on that tour, we worked a, a tag match against the New Age Outlaws. And of course, you know, for someone that grew up, uh, during the attitude era, well, I didn't grow up during the attitude era, but I mean, that was like, so, uh, I was such a fan, such a Mark during that attitude era, uh, that to be in the ring, uh, with, with road dog and, 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 Billy Gunn, it was something that was really great. Uh, always something to learn, uh, from
0: whenever I got in the ring with, uh, with veterans like that. So it was a really good experience. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, uh, veterans in, in 2012, you, you had, uh, some some tag matches with and then worked against, according to my research, uh, Tatanka. What uh, what what were your uh, thoughts? Given the fact that you know that that must have been someone that you were uh, a fan of growing up, and, and the fact that he always wore his uh, his First Nations heritage right out there proudly much like yourself
1: brian gewertz one of the writers for wwe a former wwe writer uh he was the one that actually had uh, an idea a concept of potentially doing some type of a storyline with myself and tatanka so uh oh, wow. that was yeah that was around the time when tatanka made the surprise return at a, at a royal rumble i believe after uh after a long absence and when i saw him make that uh, when I when I saw it, you know they they introduced him and he came out uh, when I saw that I thought hey man here's my opportunity um, but. You know, it, looking back, it, nothing ended up happening of it, and, and that's okay. Um, but it really would have been—it really would have been something great uh, to follow through with that. Uh, it was really cool to get to know him uh, on the independent scene. Uh, I Got to wrestle with him uh, in a in a tag match here in my home community of, of Librette, uh Starblind First Nation. So that is really awesome. Uh, people, you know, got to, I got to have the pictures, and, and people loved it because, of course, uh, when when I was younger and I had the long hair. Uh, it, it, a lot of people would, would uh, of course, uh, right away they would compare me to to Tatanka, to so uh, so it was really good to be able to to get to meet them and and, and have those uh, those uh, matches with them. In in uh, in fact, in RCW uh, we got to have a singles match. Uh, and we, we really packed the place a number of years ago as well. So that, that was pretty awesome. And I was really impressed with his level of conditioning. uh He was mm-hmm. he's, at, at his age. uh He's still in really good shape. He can still go. And the, the, here's the, here's the, 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 the most incredible thing about Tatanka is that the man has never had an injury. Mm-hmm. He gets ba- like bangs and bruises and stuff like that. But like, you know, if, ask him if he's ever, you know, torn a bicep or had a knee that, you know, ligament injury or anything like that, nothing. So just, just a, one of those, he just tough as nails, tough as nails, good living and, uh, you know, living a good lifestyle and, and, and he's showing it for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, do you have any uh, more information as to what this angle was or storyline was going to be? Would it, would have been a, like a passing of the torch type of deal or well, that's what I envisioned in it.
1: <laughs> in my mind, when it was pitched, that's exactly what it was. You know, the, this uh, passing of the torch, and maybe the potential to turn it around. In my mind, uh, there was always the the, the angle with it where they would pass on the headdress, and usually the heel would would attack both of the baby faces and rip up the headdress. And I thought it would be really cool if it if it was done the other way, where the mentor tried to give the headdress, and then the the mentee rips it up and attacks the and attacks the. Uh, the mentor so i thought that that would have been cool uh, whether or not uh, that was in the cards uh, i i don't know because it just never really got to that uh, it never got there um you know there, there's ideas get tossed around and you never know it, it could be someone as influential uh as brian Gwertz and it might not it might not get off the ground so
0: uh that that that's how that went well what could have been uh two-part question for you here. Uh probably need a sip of water for this. It'll be one of my notoriously long, long-winded ones. But as 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 a First Nations uh wrestler, did you feel any extra pressure to be a positive role model? And the second part of that being, you know, in Canada, we're as a as a country trying to come to grips with truth and reconciliation and healing of communities and and trying to um make the 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 first nations communities in canada whole again and i i've been i talked to des from totally arctic wrestling and, and he feels that is awesome a, i did the northern
1: tourist Dez. sorry to interrupt you I Ab,
0: abs, absolutely I, I i would recommend uh everybody check out that interview on the hannibal tv but he feels there's there's a strong role In terms of of that uh, truth of reconciliation, that healing, that wrestling shows can play in communities. So I'd I'd be interested in your thoughts on both those issues. Uh, Absolutely. I I think
1: that, um, well, first of all, even if you just look at wrestling like inside wrestling the, the the industry it's always been a model of diversity because you have one russian one iranian one indian one big guy one small guy so it's always been uh, inclusion and um when you talk about uh truth and reconciliation i think that wrestling can play uh, a pretty big part in that because um you know, we're free to use imagery and storylines and and whatever we want to tell whatever story that we want. And I think, um, that the old storylines probably are kind of passe. And that was my whole thing. When I got into the business, I, I I wanted, I I, I was, I I was 100% sure that I needed to have that positive image outside of the ring. Like a, as as an individual, um, but I wanted to do something different uh, with with the character or the gimmick, so to speak, uh, inside of the ring. Um, so sometimes the things that you do in character poke fun or maybe seem to enrage or inflame some of those differences, but really when you're bringing them out and and commenting them on them like that, uh, that can help make fun of them and, and help help heal some of these issues so that we can see how absurd it is for people uh, to be, you know, at odds simply because they have
0: different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did Now, when you were developing your character per se, there were, you know, examples of uh, portrayals of First Nations folks by non-First Nations folks. And I, I think back to not that it was necessarily a negative portrayal, but the Italian yeah. Scarpa who played uh, Jay Strongbow. Yeah. Wh- how did you feel about that then? And and now that you've, you've been in the business and, and cut your own path as a legit First Nations person?
1: <laughs> well, there's two aspects. On one end, I loved it. I used to cheer for Sunji Takano at Sunny Two Rivers because they called him Sunny Two Rivers. And we kind of knew. We we go up to him and try to talk to him, and we could see that maybe he wasn't, but we wanted to believe it. Like we wanted to believe in Santa Claus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so 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 I did want to uh, want to believe in 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 the story.
0: Can you re- reword the gimmick there, sorry or reword the question, sir? Just just your thoughts on wh- when you were when you were younger, growing up, the the non indigenous person uh, portraying an indigenous character uh, compared right. to. Compared to now and what your thoughts are on on the subject, do you find it to be Inflammatory, disrespectful, or or that sort of thing. It is now, yeah, kind
1: of is now. There, there's there's a big concept now uh, of the the pretendian, uh because there are uh, you know a number of, of issues or instances in current events where people assume an identity that isn't even theirs. Kind of like a wrestler would, and uh, and, and use it uh, you know to take advantage of opportunities that that are uh, you know set aside for for other people that may have faced challenges. So. I think, in terms of the real world, uh, the, the 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 pretendian is uh, is definitely a, a, a huge issue, and now it's starting to make more of a difference. Where I don't even know if anyone would like, I, not, like it, it, people, they used to always hire non-indigenous actors to play indigenous parts. I'm not even sure if that you know how you know if that's going to happen uh nowadays because you're seeing a lot more um indigenous uh, actors and performers from, from all backgrounds uh getting involved so um you know being legitimate and and authentic uh, is definitely uh is, is definitely something that, that we have to watch for because uh, too many times in, in the past, people have taken advantage of the identity and, and, and it doesn't do anything, anything good, doesn't do anything positive because people uh, that may be uh, naysayers to some of these initiatives will say, well, look, see this is, we told you this is exactly what's going to happen. People are just going to take advantage of these things and, and, and it's too bad when, when, when that happens.
0: Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, love to go into detail on that, that issue, but that's beyond the scope of uh, this particular broadcast, but yeah,
1: there's, there, there, there are like episodes of, of, uh, of dot and documentaries about that going on right now. Huge, Mm. huge issue in society
0: right now. Mm. Um, a fan on social media actually sent me a question to ask you about your former tag partner, Don Cyrus Callis and, and the recent, uh, you know he went in the last 5 years 6 years it seems from being out of the business then having a podcast with Storm doing the uh new japan uh commentary and now uh, being quite a prominent fixture in a managerial role in AEW what what are your thoughts on his latter career
1: yeah you know uh he made the transition from professional wrestling into the public service at some point like he was working as a government you know, he's a bureaucrat at, at of some sort i believe he was at a high level senior management uh someplace um but it was really good to see him get back into uh into the wrestling business and i think that as a person you know develops in other careers uh, that you know you think back to wrestling, and there's a lot of things that you learn that you can apply. Uh, to wrestling to to open up new doors and and it's good to see, uh, Don back involved. Uh, of course, it, you know when I was getting involved in the business, Don was was also another one of those trailblazers that we would look up to because he was just doing the Tony Candelo winter w- winter road tours and the IWA TV tapings and he's on WWE now. You know, so we could see these all these people that were at our level that had progressed to the next. So certainly very inspired uh, by all those guys and Don was one of them. Uh, he was always really good to me um, he, he, he was a somewhat of a mentor around uh, the time of the business when when it was like really extreme like around that ECW uh, when he was working for ECW and he brought that kind of booking style uh, into Winnipeg and uh, I, and I got a chance to, to work as a heel under him and that was what when I really embraced that's when I really embraced this whole indigenous gimmick, this, uh, this identity, this as a heel. And it was, and it was through uh, my working with Don and him providing that, that mentorship and that advice and, and that space for, for like that confidence to, to go. He told me uh, before we went out there, he, he said, look, kid, this is a pretty rough area of town. And uh, you know, whether you go out there trying to get them to cheer you or boo you, they're probably going to boo you. There's going to be a lot of going to boo you anyways, might as well beat them to it. And he made a point, the light turned on right there. And and it was like, got nothing to lose. And I just went out there and and opened up and, and it was, it was really empowering. It was was super empowering. Let me tell you about that. Uh, As, as it's, you can, as a minority sitting, uh, you know, the only indigenous person in, in this entire venue. And, and there's just a ton of heat going on. This, this nuclear heat, wherever everybody's screaming, freaking out. People are uh, throwing things at the ring and, and almost riot. From, from from this promo and at the same time you feel this power you feel this power on the inside and, and I don't know what it is maybe you're crazy because really it, if the whole building decided to turn on you and attack you they could probably kill you <laughs> but but for whatever it is for whatever it is there's this sort of magic or there's just a, it just really felt like I was totally in the zone and really felt uh powerful really felt the power uh in that moment of being able to hear all of these toxic terrible things these the worst racial slurs ever being being thrown at me and me not even caring and saying stuff that that would piss them off and and to make to make them say this stuff and it was getting pretty bad but but it was uh it it would have been a tough situation for a person that that just went there to watch wrestling and and maybe didn't ask for, for, for that for that type of type of thing but you know for for a person, you know, given the, the pep talk, the inspirational talk that I had before we went out there and then to feel that it was, it was something else. I sure learned a lot that night. Mm -hmm.
0: Now you, you had a, a very lengthy, um, in ring career, you know, in, in terms of, uh, being active, what toll did that, uh, take on your body and, and how are you dealing with that now that, um, you, you know you, you have those those years uh, behind you. did you work a style that you found was uh, you know uh, overly exacerbating your 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 punishment? I was lucky to learn how to work when I
1: was an OVW. so rip Rogers uh, you know taught us that you know you can't just go out there and do every bump that that, that you do. Um, just, you know, and generally guys do that because they're only wrestling once a month or, or wherever it is, you have to get to the point uh, where your body could take it. If you're wrestling, you know, four or five times, a, four or five times a week. So I was lucky to learn that style, uh, through Rip Rogers and, and Jim Cornette, uh, that Southern style, which is easier on the body. It's about telling a story. It's about engaging the audience, um, and saving your bumps because, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Well, you, you would have heard of the concept of a bump card. It runs out. It, it definitely it runs out and, and i know like i can feel that i'm that i'm close to the end because just just you know when you wake up every day uh you, you like where you're starting from that that first step when you get out of bed uh that 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 follows with you uh follows that follows you for for years you know for the rest of your life and it takes me a while it takes me a good 45 minutes of drinking coffee and and uh you know reading facebook or whatever it is and till i finally start to to limber up a bit and move around. Then I like to get to the gym so I can get my body moving. Um, mm-hmm. But de- definitely the the body has, has felt it. And I can only imagine what the, you know, workers that use a different style, like that, that haven't been so conservative with the amount of, or so, you know, with the amount of bumps that, that they take. Uh, I can only imagine, I can only imagine what, what it would be like. And, and the, the one that kind of you never, or I never, ever imagined, uh, like you, you, always think, oh, I'll, you know, maybe I'll have a sore back, maybe I'll have a sore neck, and and I do have I have a sore back and I have a sore neck, but 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 the one that you don't really think about is the hips, like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do. So 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 a little bit of pain in the hips, which causes uh, a little bit of issues with mobility and some pain, um, mm-hmm. but but you know, pretty much. Everybody is, uh, you know, you, you got to look after your your body uh, through, you know, stretching and and, and proper diet and, and proper exercise and rest and all that. So it's a, just a matter of staying on a, a good uh, uh, regime and and continuing staying consistent with that. Doing my best uh, to stay limber.
0: In 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 terms of your uh, contacts on uh, social media and and do you have any appearances or or anything, I, you have some merch, I guess, anything that you'd like to to plug so that the fans could check it out? Uh,
1: yeah, okay, so I guess I, I promote everything through uh, either my Instagram, just at Wavelstar. Or uh, Facebook as well. Just my my personal my personal profile. I uh, want to throw in a plug for the 306 uh, Skate Shop here in Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, who has developed a, a lot of uh, my Wavelstar merchandise. I've got these. I've got T-shirts. I've got hats, uh, and we sell them uh, through Instagram, through my Facebook, uh, as well as uh, as directly through the the 306 shop. Um, as far as appearances go, I don't have a lot. Right right now but i am looking forward um to booking some more uh, i've been getting more and i've been getting more involved on the on the promoting end uh, over the past year um so so currently just just lining up uh, the next show we, we're planning a show uh, just outside of saskatoon uh, in a first nations community uh coming up here in, in november uh, so i'm doing a, a number of those uh, and those are a little different uh, th- those aren't your typical um you know big city uh, wrestling show that you'll see on a Friday night. I'm going out there and I'm trying to deliver uh, positive role model messages uh, to the youth of the community and, and to everybody within the Indigenous community. Uh, the importance of, of things like sports, culture education careers uh those types of things because there's more to life there's more to life than wrestling and uh but i do uh we use this 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 medium this beautiful art uh that that people uh in indigenous community young and old love to see um so by all means if anybody uh wants to bring one of uh, our awesome live pro wrestling shows to your indigenous community uh we will come out there we'll talk to the kids uh to encourage uh you know positive youth role model messages Uh, all the young people People and old people uh, will will enjoy it, uh, and and we'll uh, and we'll go from there.
0: Well, man, I I really appreciate your time tonight. We're gonna keep uh, in touch, and we'll keep the fans up to date as to your your developments, your your positive uh, wrestling events, and anything else that uh, that is noteworthy. It's been a, a fascinating discussion, and uh, really appreciate your time tonight. All right. Thanks, man. You take care. Well, fans, that's it for this edition of the Cheap Heat Productions Wrestling Podcast. We will see you next time. Take care, everybody.